It's Paolo here from The Song Will Go On, and we're celebrating our podcast launch by giving away some free stuff to our listeners. We'll be giving away some classic soundtracks on vinyl, as well as free gift cards to music services like Tidal and Spotify. From three months of free premium subscriptions to the grand prize of one year of premium Spotify. To enter to win, all you have to do is leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Take a screenshot, share it on social media, and tag us in it. And then at the end of the month, we'll announce the winners via Instagram Live. Not only can you win some great free stuff, but you also help us grow our podcast and make sure that not only the song will go on, but the podcast will go on. And now let's start the pot. On today's episode. Pot first, pot hard, no mercy, sir. I can't hear you. Pot first, pot hard, no mercy, sir. We're covering the song You're the Best by Joe Esposito from the 1984 film The Karate Kid. All right, we take a bow. We're going to look each other in the eyes. Ready, set, let's start the pod. Hello and welcome to The Song Will Go On, the podcast inspired by the songs, inspired by the motion pictures. You have great movie songs, and then you have some that just kind of make you ask yourself, what in the world is going on here? And we cover them all. Well, hopefully. Today, we continue season one of The Song Will Go On with You're the Best by Joe Exposito, for the 1984 film, The Karate Kid. Joining me on today's episode, co-host of The Song Will Go On, my sensei, for all things podcasts, and let's be real, life in general, it's Sensei Sofia Matano. What's up, Sophie? <laughs> hey, Paolo. Our guest today, it must be get a worm for a pod week. From the podcast, the sports card nobody, it's a sports card nobody himself, it's Chain Order. What's up, Chain? What's going on, Paulo and Sophia? <laughs> Listen, I, I am so pumped to be here. This is amazing. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited too. When I when we started a pod, I was like, well, Shane's got to be in it. We got to like, get Shane. We've had so many conversations like this on our own about the things we love, the things we collect. So, man, it's, it's really good to have you on the pod because I feel like we're kindred spirits, you and I. Oh, man, I, I completely agree. You know, I mean, we've been friends for I don't know how many years now. I mean, 10 years or whatever it's been. We worked together for so long in Los Angeles, still maintaining that, that connection since I moved back to uh, the East Coast. Yeah, dude, I love these conversations with you every time we have them, every time we go down a text, you know, wormhole or whatever, rabbit hole or whatever it is. I am so pumped to do this uh, in an official capacity here. Yeah. And that's one of the things I love about your podcast is I feel like those conversations that we had about you know, the passion for the things that we collect, which is, you know, it's not the same thing, but it's like the root of it. It's the same. And I love hearing you like, even though I don't collect sports car, but you're like your passion for it, like the motives are pretty much the same why I collect my things, movie, vinyl soundtracks and all that thing. If honestly, you should check it out. If you're listening to this, and you're like, I'm not, I don't necessarily collect sports car. I think it's more about that. It's more about the passion for the things we like and why we're, why we collect things or why we're, are we passionate about this? And we just want to talk about things. Yeah, that's exactly right, man. I, if you collect anything, the reasons that you do it are usually the same, whether it's, you know, I 
collected comic books as a kid or you with vinyls, you know, action figures or, you know, stamps, bottle caps, whatever it is, somebody collects, there's usually a, a genuine passion to it, whether it's enjoying the art form of what it is or just an expression of yourself. I talk about that all the time on my podcast. One of the things I love about collecting my cards is it helps me express that part of myself, that my love of sports, my love of wrestling, because of the wrestling cards and all sorts of things. So if you're a collector of anything, you probably have that. And that's what I try to play to in my podcast. I collected Pokemon cards as a kid, but I think that was just Do you have any of the expensive ones? So of course, I, we could, we we could, could use take it. a pot to the next <laughs> level if you have a Charizard something. I definitely have a holographic Charizard. And I think that this just really captures my love of shiny things. So that, I love that. that was my main motive. <laughs> I love that because like that's such a big conversation in the uh in the more modern wrestling card world is how modern wrestling card collectors tend to like shiny low numbered things and the shiny things is such a big like catchphrase about it that's fantastic. <laughs> but yeah, a first off or a first edition Charizard is no joke if that's what you got. Oh, okay. I got to dig that out of my closet somewhere. <laughs> yes, All right. you do. I want to make a quick announcement. It's not that I found a Charizard bot. Before before <laughs> we start to the races with the pod I want to say that we just launched season one of The Song Will Go On, and we are definitely babies to the podcast space. And just like newborns, this is a pivotal time for our development. We need nutrients, and those comes <laughs> in the way of reviews and subscriptions. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice, and make sure you subscribe to our feed so you don't miss an episode. And last, help us spread the word by sharing on social media. And now... Let's get back to the song of the day. And I'll start with Shane because actually you picked the song, Shane. You picked this song. Why this song? I know that we're going to get into you know a lot deeper this later in the podcast, but um, The Karate Kid, the, the film, is an absolute all-time favorite from my childhood. And this song just absolutely speaks to me about that film. Every time this song is played anywhere, I, I mean, it could be in a Home Depot or whatever, and it comes out over the PA or or whatever it might be, I cannot help but immediately start thinking of this film and like what it was like to be, I don't know, how old, six years old when, when I was probably first watching this, maybe even younger, came out in like 84, right? Mm -hmm. Man, that's probably even a little bit younger than that. Anytime somebody says the words, for whatever reason, ah, you're the best, I immediately go, around. Always. <laughs> it, it's just been with me for I don't know how long. Uh, I, I do that too with songs. People say like, some words and I like always jump in with the song and they're like, you're weird. And I was like, yeah. yes, sorry. But all right, before we talk about the song, you know, we have to talk about its creator. Yes, the movie. Alive. It's alive. It's alive. Yes, the film, the reason we have an original song to begin with. So to start the show, we need Sensei Sophie to set up the film. <laughs> Okay, strap in, fellas. So, The Karate Kid is a 1984 martial arts coming-of-age movie directed by John G. Avildsen and written by Robert Mark Kamen. It stars Ralph Macchio as Daniel LaRusso, Noriyuki Pat Moria as Mr. Miyagi, and William Zabka as Johnny Lawrence. That's a good name, William Zabka. Zabka. Strong. Zabka. Very strong. Yeah, yeah. it's... 
kind of a bully name, right? Yes. Okay. There's yeah. perfect casting. He <laughs> leaned mo- into that in the 80s. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, the movie follows Daniel's move to Los Angeles. After a beach party, he gets the hots for Allie Mills, played by Elizabeth Shue. That's not how my move to Los Angeles went. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, this angers her bully ex-boyfriend and member of the Cobra Kai dojo, Johnny. The Cobra Kai gang pursue Daniel and beat him up. But Mr. Miyagi intervenes, defeating all of the boys. Daniel begs Miyagi to teach him karate, who declines, but takes him to the Cobra Kai dojo to squash the conflict. Sensei John Kreese balks at the peace offering, so Miyagi proposes Daniel and Johnny can face off in the under-18 All-Valley Karate Championship, but the bullying will cease while Daniel trains. Daniel's training begins with menial tasks such as sanding floors, painting fences, and waxing cars. Think the famous wax on, wax off. I first heard of this actually phrase in Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the Ooze. Michelangelo has a <laughs> wax on, wax off joke. And I was yeah. like, oh, that's funny. Michelangelo is a jokester, not knowing where it was from. No, you got to go to the source, Paolo. <laughs> Daniel grows frustrated that he's working for days on chores instead of learning karate. But Miyagi demonstrates that Daniel is actually committed defensive blocks to muscle memory by completing these tasks. Miyagi serves as a father figure to Daniel, who's raised by a single mother, and in turn, Daniel becomes like a son to Mr. Miyagi, whose wife died in childbirth with his only child. Because he's the best around, Daniel defeats Johnny while injured and wins with his signature crane kick. With newfound respect for Daniel, Johnny presents him with the trophy while Mr. Miyagi looks on with pride. The movie came about when Kamen was approached by Columbia Pictures to write a film similar to Avildsen's Rocky after signing him as a director. Kamen allegedly drew inspiration from his own life as he learned karate following attack from childhood bullies. He was initially part of a dojo similar to Cobra Kai who taught karate as a method of violence and revenge. Right, what do you know, I I guess. But then he transferred to a Japanese teacher who had studied under the founder of the Goju Ryu style. When it came time to making the film, he heavily campaigned for Morita's casting. Marita had originally been rejected for the role because of his association with stand-up comedy and his role on the sitcom Happy Days. Which is funny because this is Marita's standout role. I don't associate him with either <laughs> of those things I also cannot now. imagine him in a stand-up set. I just can't. Like, he's so low energy in this film. Yeah, yeah not exactly. even a little bit. So everything's all about balance and, like... You know, what if he stands up? It's like him holding a cigarette, like all you bastards came here today. It's like the the, the uh, Bob Saget. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. exactly. With Danny Tanner. Exactly right. Uh, So Marita ultimately got the part by growing a beard and using an accent he modeled after his uncle. Uh, The film was Machio's second major role following The Outsiders in 1983. Uh, Other options for Daniel included Sean Penn, Robert Downey Jr., and Charlie Sheen. I don't know. I think they ultimately made the right call. Yeah. Charlie yeah. Sheen could have worked, but... All of them could have worked. They just, they don't look... Ralph has like a innocence to him that really helps the underdog sense of it. I think all Big those time. three, like... Right. They can kick some ass. Like, I don't... Totally. I'm not surprised, but... <laughs> yeah. But Daniel's like, really? I uh, mean, Ralph Macchio still looks young, even in the new Cobra Kai series. Yes. Exactly. Oh, wow. He that is still what, do the first That is what the kids can. in my neighborhood will call a baby face. Hey, baby face. What's yeah, up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the film became a commercial success, grossing $100 million in the U.S. and Canada alone. It was actually a sleeper hit, and it ultimately became one of the highest grossing films of 1984. Now let's get into the sequels. So the film generated two sequels with Marita and Machio, The Karate Kid 2 and 3, respectively. In 1994, Marita reprised his role in The Next Karate Kid. 
with Hilary Swank becoming his protege. A remake of The Karate Kid was released in 2014. That one is with Jackie Chan and Jaden Smith, though this is not in the same fictional universe as Makio and Marita. What is, however, is Cobra Kai, which Shane just mentioned, the Netflix series. Set 34 years later, Makio and Zabka reprise their roles as leaders of their own dojos. The show has four seasons, with the fifth coming out in September 2022. So, take a bow. <laughs> the eyes, that <laughs> Thank was great. You. <laughs> Point to the chest. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So I want to go around around the table and I want to see what your connection to this film was before. And I'm going to start with our guest, Shane. Obviously, it sounds like this was a really big hit for you. Yeah, big hit is a good way to put it. I, I broke the VHS watching it back so doing, often. Really? Doing a chop? Oh, I thought I was like, <laughs> I can do, I don't have any boards, but let me try the VHS. I was like, no, you're going to break it, Shane. That's not how it works. Uh, no, I did not do karate to the karate movie, but... Uh, but no, watching it back and forth, you know, not having, you know, the digital means to rewind. So it's like trying to like learn parts or whatever. But I remember just like rewind, play, rewind. At one point that the tape just snapped on me and that was the end of my, my Karate Kid VHS. But yeah, this movie just, I mean, it checked all the right boxes for somebody of that age back, you know, at, at that time. I mean, I was born in 83. So this movie came out a year after I was born. Again, I, I must have been like five or six, I guess, when I was really watching the hell out of this movie. Karate. A young scrawny kid, like being the hero. I was always a scrawny person my entire life. And then later in life, everybody said that of all the celebrities I looked like, it was always Ralph Macchio. I always got that comparison as the, the karate <laughs> kid. So it stuck with me forever. Yeah, I was, I was fine with it. Yeah. Um, especially, I mean, he still looks so young. If I could look that young in my 40s, which are coming up real quick, <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah, so it just checked all the, the right boxes for me at the right time. And I, I couldn't get enough of it. So Mm-hmm. I am very interested in your answer because this doesn't seem like the kind of movie that Soph in her early years or whenever it was would be like, yay, am I wrong? Partially. So this one's a little bit before my time. And like I mentioned on one of our earlier pod episodes, my taste in movies was definitely based on what VHS materialized in my house. Mm. One of those was The Next Karate Kid. So that came out in 94. Such a Sophie answer. But yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's Hilary Swank's first leading role in a movie. Is that correct? Uh, you got me. Right. It might be. My parents probably got me that one because I was always a sporty kid. Just like Shane, you're looking up to, to Daniel. I was looking up to, to Hilary Swank in that movie. Yeah. So uh, that one was on rotation for me. Uh, and then ultimately, I think I went back and watched the other, the original Karate Kid and then the sequels. But my main connection what? was to uh, the Hillary Swank one. What year did that one come out? Do you That's know? 94. So I was, uh, I was nine then when that came out. Because I remember this is just such a weird story that just popped in my head as you were talking about mm-hmm. that. But I was in the well, you're, department you're store 11, or 83, 11 years old. Oh, ago. yeah, 11, 11. Sorry, really bad at math. <laughs> I was in like a department store or something with my mom. And I remember like it was, we were like in the electronics department or something. They had a bunch of like the big TVs. I mean, you know, however, mm-hmm. whatever was big back at that time. But they had like a promo for that movie that was coming out. And I remember being so pumped. I didn't know it was coming out. Was like, oh my God, there's going to be a new Karate Kid movie. I gotta go see this. That's amazing. I'm so glad yeah. that you're psyched for that one. Cause it's so weird that it just yeah. popped in my head. Sometimes the, the, um, the movies, like it's like, now it's the girl version. And then everyone sure. goes, aw, you know, and like that always made me so mad as a kid. So I'm glad that you were psyched <laughs> for it. <laughs> I, I was definitely pumped. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, I don't know. That series was, was it for me at, at that yeah. time. 
What about you, Paolo? What's your connection? This is going to surprise everyone. I don't have a connection to the Karate Kid. What? None. Surprise, I would say, because I am 80s obsessed. My favorite film is Back to the Future. Mm. Like the Goonies, just all the cliches of someone who likes the 80s. I'm there. And this has always been like, it's not a blind spot because I've seen it. And it's not that I dislike it. Some reason, this just did not make the trip for me. Like in terms of those childhood movies, I just rewatch and everything. I, I just didn't have that connection to it. So I really kind mm. of approach it almost as a first time viewing for wow. a pod, if that's insane to hear. Like I just not had seen this movie in so long. That's hilarious. That that's uh because this movie is like quintessential eighties too. I mean, I, I mean, know it's one of those. It's one of those where if everything. I'm talking with someone and like, hey, I love. Oh, you love this. Oh, you love this one. And then fourth or fifth one. Then the Karate Kid. And no, actually, yeah. I, you know, I don't. <laughs> I have, I just have not seen it that much. If we're being honest, I mean, you mentioned like Back to the Future. Um, I love this movie, The Karate Kid. Don't get me wrong. It probably doesn't hold up as well as some of the other, like a Back to the Future is, I mean, that's a, a probably a different well, level you're of talking actual film. About, it's hard to compare. You're talking about a yeah. cinema classic, you know, it, there's <laughs> depends in what context you say hold up. But I actually, that's what I was going to say is that watching it for the pod, Man, I really enjoyed it. I really oh, enjoyed it. I did not feel like this was a nostalgia dopamine hit. I really thought it was like, this is a good film. And it was mainly because for me, it was really the story. I feel like the story really works. And, and it's kind of universal, that relationship between Dano and Miyagi. To me, that's yeah. the core thing about the Karate Kid. I think that's what... 100%. That's the fuel that still propels this film moving forward. Yeah, Nostalgia Definitely. can get you so far. Memories can get you so far. The soundtrack and the song can get you so far. But great story, universal story just keeps on going. And I think that is at the center. Like you put this film, the context of that mentorship student, you know, we've an, another film I like, Whiplash also, like that kind of category. And this holds the, up. The, the anti-Miyagi. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> right. Yeah. This holds up in, in that context. Like it's it's a really it's still relevant. It's still universal. Like it doesn't feel out of age. And I just I really, really, really liked it. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that the movie pulls off well too is it actually has the anti-Miyagi in the movie, right? right. John Creese being the, you know, strike first, you know, no mercy, beating on his children, his children, <laughs> uh, students, you know. So they have the anti-Miyagi. So you're really playing off the two different philosophies about I mean, you're not going to watch The Karate Kid and come away like really knowing about martial arts. I mean, not in any real sense, but the yeah, philosophies we'll, of it, right? You know, attack we'll, and defense. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll get to The Karate Kid on this. But, well, let's just say, is this a good karate movie? Like, is, I don't know anything about karate, but is the karate good? The karate itself is not amazing, right? And I, I guess, you know, if we're going to get to this later, but like when this song is playing... Mm-hmm. They're in that montage. There's a character that they that comes out of nowhere who's obviously way better <laughs> than everybody else we've we've been introduced to throughout the entire movie, which is something I didn't catch until I was older. When I rewatched the film, I don't know, as an adult at some point, I was like, we should probably know more about this guy. <laughs> um, and that kind of like right there shows you that the the level of athleticism of the characters we're following isn't really. Yeah. Are you talking about the, the guy who finishes third place? Yeah, third. He's yeah. the one they build up quickly. Yeah, they he, always uh, he knocks out one of the other Cobra Kai kids, and then he loses to. Um, um, they always do that. Zapka's character. Mm. They always do that in movies. There's the 
if it's a fighting or singing or dancing, they're the main protagonist and you mm-hmm. know that they're going to make it far. But then to make what in this example, the karate look good, the dancing look good. Then they bring like the dancers to sort of like, you're going to play this character or extra and you're going to make it look good in the background. Yeah. But the protagonists are the ones that are involved with it. And you're like, right. man, that background dancer is like really good. That probably wins the competition. Right. Like but way they, better. <laughs> they weren't the best around. I remember the, uh, <laughs> the, the, remember the Disney movie, The Brink? With the, oh, the skaters and do stuff. Do I? So exactly the same thing. It's like the protagonist is like, you're not that good. And then the fifth Is person, that where the hockey player becomes a figure skater? Oh, no. That's... Which one is that? I don't remember. This is the one with Eric that's Von That's the cutting Detten. edge, isn't it? Oh, yeah. This one yeah, is okay. Eric soul Von skaters. Detten. Yeah, he's a soul skater. Yeah. Okay. I and he doesn't want to sell out They roller join. skate. But it's the right. same thing. It's like the fifth guy on the team who never talks and he's just there to stand while they bully and he doesn't do mm. anything. And then when you see the skating montage, it's like, oh, that guy's really good. That's an actual skater. <laughs> but he'll never talk because he's not a character. Look, sure. Winners have acting chops. That's what we've learned. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot win a sporting event unless you can act. Exactly. Right? <laughs> another thing I feel like about this, uh, another sports cliche, I feel like is great sports movies are not about sports. I feel like this falls in. Like, I don't consider this a karate film i feel this like it's a coming of age story and it does really good at like the parenting aspect of it mentorship absence of father those themes is really what the movie's about the same with rocky the same director rocky is not the first one it's not a boxing movie it's weird how sports movie are the great ones are not about sports i have been saying this that's true about every genre like the great, the, the best horror movies aren't necessarily just horror movies, right? It's whatever mm. the, the yeah, background absolutely. story or the main themes and the main story. Same thing with sci-fi films. You know, it's not necessarily about replicants, right? It's not necessarily about androids, even though that's the, the plot point for Blade Runner. It's about what is humanity, you know, and all yeah. those sorts of questions that get that get raised while you're watching the film. Rosemary's Baby, you know, takes a premise about being a mother and sort of works those themes and puts it in a horror context and all that stuff. But yeah, you, I, I, the same thing. I mean, Get Out, the best films in the last decade, the same thing. It, it takes something from the real world and that's really the interesting part of the core and then decorates it with all their, the genre aspects of it. So You know, when I think of Karate Kid, I think of the crane kick and wax mm-hmm. on, wax off and you're the best. And it had been a while since I'd watched the movie. So I was sort of struck by how sincere this movie is. I want to play you something because this is my favorite scene and my favorite <laughs> character is absolutely Miyagi. Of course. Definitely. You know, it's just like, you know, connections that you make with a person that really becomes pivotal in your life. And mm-hmm. I, I really, I love mentorship and, and that yeah. relationship. I remember when I studied music composition and, and that was kind of like the way that they studied, like, oh, you're a music composer. So you're, I love that setting. I love Whiplash. Like I mentioned, like I just love that. And there's a scene in the movie that for me, this is, This is why I say like, oh, this is a great movie. I'll keep coming back to it. And it's just like this scene. A lesson not just karate only. Lesson for whole life. Whole life have a balance. Everything be better. Understand? (laughs) Yeah, I understand. Oh, wow. 
You're the best friend I ever had. Uh, you pretty okay too. I got mm-hmm. honestly, I got a little bit emotional, but that was the scene where Miyagi gives him a car, gives Daniel a car, and they just have this exchange that is just man, it just really feels so honest. Yeah, it really feels so honest, and and that's really what captivated me about the film. One of the things I, I adore about that, and it's funny because it was it was like in my head before you played it, but the the way it sounds, the background noise, mm. you don't have the music playing over, you don't have the over dramatic music or anything like that. It's just the stillness. Of reality you're hearing the crickets in the background you're hearing just all that real noise and the quietness of their real conversation is incredible yeah i have another question for you what do you guys think about the chemistry between ralph macchio and elizabeth shu do we do we buy it do, do we see ali like ali is just like immediately captivated with Daniel. he's like oh my god this hot guy like he doesn't do anything like he just shows up at the beach and she's like oh and I don't know, like, I, I, I had a hard time believing that Elizabeth Shue's character would go for Daniel. By the way, he looks like he's 15 and she looks like she's <laughs> 22. <laughs> so maybe that's a thing. But actually, Ralph Macchio is older than Elizabeth Shue. That's crazy. Yeah, he was 23 and she was... Wow. Wait, he was 23 or 22 and she was 20 or 19. Mm. And to me, that's... Yeah, that is the most shocking thing about this movie is that aspect of it. I can't can't wrap my head around I that. I didn't know that either. It's definitely one of the, I think, the flaws of the movie that's a little too prevalent in general. Is I, I don't know that she gets enough in the film as a whole other than being a little bit of a plot device, right? I mean, oh. she's there to be the, the love triangle. Yep. Like the two guys are fighting over her. I don't know that we really get the chance to explore her motivations. I think she's there to root Daniel on and be mad at her ex-boyfriend for being kind of a jerk. You know, I I don't know that she's given a whole lot for us to take in. Well, to answer your question, actually, about uh, if Allie would go for Daniel, I was, again, having not seen this movie in a while, sort of had it like, oh, it's this like geek guy who learns karate and blah, blah, blah. He's not a geek. He has some swag. And Wait, I know so no, he does. He about? does. One of, on my notes is what Shane, has, back me up. <laughs> on my note is one thing that has H poorly, Daniel's game. Daniel's no. game is not good. I like Well, it. he's got he's got a lot of like confidence to him though, which is pretty interesting. Like he he's not afraid to go up and try to be like be funny and and you know do the soccer ball thing, right? Because that's yeah. a big part of how he connects with her is 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 uh juggling the soccer ball. So I don't know. There's something to be said about confidence in general. And there's also something to be said about being the new guy at a high school. I mean, that every time a new kid comes to school, everybody is immediately drawn to them no matter what. And the way that he's not afraid to kind of jump in, I don't know. I, I think he, he carries himself well. I still, I don't know that Elizabeth Shue or Allie is necessarily going to be immediately drawn to him the way he is, but I don't know. I feel you know, like I don't know. I was watching my wife this. was attracted to me for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was watching this and I had a reaction where we we're like, good, you should get bullied because your move is going way too good. Like, you, like this is not <laughs> how the world works. Like, you, <laughs> we need a reality check. And like, yes, it should be difficult. Moving is difficult. Starting is cool. I mean, maybe she was a little bit too loyal to him <laughs> right out the gate. He really he really leaned into that juggling because other than that, I just felt like he was like gullible, goofy. And like, you cannot score a girl like Allie. With his game. I'm just, I don't know. But it seems like I'm know, wrong. Man. It seems like the baby face <laughs> thing. That's a thing. I don't. 
What he? I guess he the was only tan, like, He was Italian. Yeah, he's from he Jersey. does have that, that olive yeah. skin. That's, <laughs> and that that beautiful like thick hair. Come oh on yeah. Now. <laughs> uh, but she does. She should know like how jealous Johnny is. And that doesn't excuse like she should get to live her life the way she wants to live her life. But she should probably give Daniel a little bit more of a heads up about him. Right. I mean, it's <laughs> like I'm definitely just going to flirt with him on the beach, even though I know he's coming. It's, it seems like he's getting set up a little bit. Hearing the motorcycles in the distance. How old yeah. are these kids? They have their motorcycle licenses. Yeah, the dirt yeah. bikes everywhere they go. Yeah, right. <laughs> One last thing. Pat Morita was nominated for an Academy Award for playing Miyagi, which is really impressive if you're considering that this feels like a genre film, like a popular right. blockbuster movie uh-huh. to score a nomination for supporting well, you know, actor. Like- this might be a little bit of like misperception of the past. But it feels like back then in the 80s and even a little bit earlier, genre films didn't get sort of forgotten the same way they do now. Because even mm-hmm. like Rocky, Sylvester Stallone won the Academy Award for for writing that film, right? I think is is what he won. That movie, he I think, was it, nominated. Yeah. Did it win Best Picture? That movie might have won yeah, Best Picture. Yeah, it, it won over Star Wars. Yeah, that's right. So, and Star mm-hmm. Wars is in the category as well, right? I mean, those are genre films that's that the are thing. getting a little more respect. Rocky is a genre film. I, I think the first one is a straight up drama. That's the thing. I, I feel like the first one is a straight up drama. Yeah, I mean, I guess that might be fair. And, 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 but and in your point, I can say, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm going to hijack your point and say like, no, genre films getting new. Because Star Wars, a genre, one of the best genre films lost to... Well, I consider a drama film Rocky. Yeah, but it but wouldn't it even get nominated. nominated today. Right. When I mean a Star Wars film today is not getting nominated for I mean and not I just because of, they're Lord not the as Rings good. Did. Yeah. 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 I mean, Lord of the Rings is one of the few genre right. films that's gotten that kind of respect. And again, maybe my perceptions are off. I'd have to dive into like the stats of it all. Not to go down full film enough, but like let's look at like a movie like Hereditary that had like some of the best performances, but they came in a horror film. And and yeah. Tony I, Tony Click gets absolutely zero respect for that film. I even said though- that exact same thing when I saw that. I was like, why is Tony Collette does not have any statues over? Because it's, 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 it's unbelievable. Just, it's an amazing performance. It's incredible. I mean, that the scene in that movie where they're arguing at the dinner table is so real and like it draws you in. And because it's in the middle of a horror film, it gets forgotten. But I don't know if Hereditary came out in 1984, maybe it would have been nominated. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, then we're going to take a break, but we come back. It is the main event. You're the best by Joe Esposito from The Karate Kid. I can't wait. Patreon. Every now and then we need a little support to help make the podcast go on. Patreon, support us. And in return, we'll give you all we got. And we need you now, tonight. <laughs> Seriously though, head over to Patreon and support us. We have some really cool perks, exclusive content, and your support will help us grow so we can continue making the show. And then maybe we could afford some singing lessons. Or not sing at all, just talk about the people who sing. Check us out at The Song Will Go On on Patreon. We're back and it's time for the main event of the night. Let's deep dive into You're the Best by Joe Esposito from the 1984 film, The Karate Kid. Sensei Sophie, you got to do your thing. Bring forth your song setup. (laughs) Okay, so 
What we're here to discuss, You're the Best, is a song featured in the karate competition montage of the movie. The music was written by Bill Conti, who also wrote the score, and the lyrics were written by Ali Willis. Joe Bean Esposito, yeah. as he's now known on yeah. Spotify, lends his vocals on the track. His YouTube channel, Joe Bean Esposito, too. Yeah. Conti wrote the score for all the Karate Kid movies, Rocky and four of its sequels, and the 1983 historical drama, The Right Stuff, which earned him an Academy Award. He's been the musical director for the Academy Awards for a record of 19 times, and he won the Emmy for Outstanding Musical Direction for five of those times. He's, he's a legend. I'll talk more. Yeah. <laughs> Big content to the Please. Man. Willis is an accomplished songwriter. Some of her co-writing credits include September by Earth, Wind & Fire. the musical adaptation of The Color Purple, and... Yep, the Friends theme song, <laughs> Incredible. I'll Be There For You. Holy moly. Uh, Willis reportedly joked that this was the whitest song she ever wrote. <laughs> it could be the whitest song ever. Also it might too. be. The <laughs> whitest song for the whitest show, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, her compositions have sold over 60 million records, and she was inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame in 2018. Now let's get to the man, Joe Bean Esposito, began his, <laughs> <laughs> began his music career in the late 70s as part of the group Brooklyn Dreams. They're best known for co-writing and performing with Donna Summer on Heaven Knows and Bad Girls. I love it how a song can just make your body move without you even we, thinking. We like were you all play that and you're like, yep. <laughs> it's like, yeah, uh, if, this was, if this was anybody seeing the video on this, all three of us started yeah. to immediately. Uh, Esposito co-wrote two songs with Frank Stallone for the soundtrack for the 1983 movie Stayin' Alive, the sequel to Saturday Night Fever. Italian producer Giorgio Moroder approached Esposito to collaborate on the 1982 album Solitary Men which became Esposito's first solo record. That blew me away because I know Giorgio, he is definitely a big thing in music. So yeah, the fact that Joe Bean Esposito <laughs> did something with him, that's great. Marauder is going to pop up a lot on the pod. Oh, he has done yeah. so many movies. Yeah. Yep. That album features Lady, 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 which was originally on the soundtrack for Flashdance. I feel like after this pod episode, every time, like Shane was saying, every time someone says lady, I'm just going to start lady. Yeah. Lady, lady. <laughs> well, you and a lot of people, because it peaked at number 86 on the Billboard Hot 100 and number 26 on the Adult Contemporary chart. So this was a hit. Speaking of Flashdance, You're the Best wasn't originally written for the Karate Kid. I know. You can't even believe it. First, it was a contender for a featured spot in Rocky Three. But Eye of the Tiger by Survivor was chosen instead. You can see remnants of Rocky in the line, History Repeats Itself, which is a nod to Rocky's rematch with Clubber Lang. History repeats itself, try and you succeed. Next, the song was rejected yeah. for Flashdance, with Maniac by Michael Cimbello being chosen for the training montage instead. However, You're the Best finally found its home in the competition montage in The Karate Kid. 
You're the Best wasn't exactly a breakout hit at the time of the movie's release. Actually, a needle drop from Bananarama called Cruel Summer sort of shot to popularity above this song, with it reaching number nine on the US Billboard Hot 100. Over time, You're the Best has become the standout track and an iconic movie song from the 1980s. So, amazing setup. That's great. Now, I just want to get to it. Shane, I got to ask you, you picked the movie, but what is the relationship with the song? Like, I know you love the movie, but do you also like just, is this your workout song or something? <laughs> Man, it's so, it's it's not one that I play regularly. I don't, it's not in my, it might even be on my iTunes, actually, now that I think about it. But it's a song that I think about a lot. And I, and I said this earlier, but you can't say the phrase, you're the best to me without me immediately saying, around, mm -hmm. nothing ever going to keep you down. <laughs> it comes out of my mouth, I don't know, once a month at least. And definitely because of that movie and because of that montage, put a stamp right on my heart for, for, for the rest of the time I'm going to be here. And it's just always stood out to me. When you reached out to ask if I wanted to come on this and I and I saw like a list of a bunch of songs, I was like, this is a no-brainer. Like this is obviously the song I want to talk about. This movie, this song, it's just, I don't know. It's so catchy. It's so it is an 80s. Run. Yeah. Oh man. And like the fact that like, the song doesn't let up, you know, it, it kicks right from the get-go, you know, it just starts punching with that 80s sound. You can say that. that the song is Cobra Kai method. <laughs> it's not a yeah, exactly. song. Oh no man, joke. that's a hundred. Wow, which well is, done there. Which is <laughs> weird because it's for Danny, but it's like, right. this is Cobra Kai attitude. This should be Johnny's song, but whatever. Big time. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't. It's just one of those songs that just it puts a smile on my face when I hear about it, when I think about it, and it just stuck with me. So, I don't think you listened to the song before the pod. I mean, I'd heard it just yeah. because I'm a person in the world, but because <laughs> you love those E Trade commercials, <laughs> Super Bowl. It's your fave. Love them. But, uh, you know, this was the first time I think I'd probably listened to it in entirety yes, in a long time because it's sort of more like a gag or a little, you know, yeah. just mm. the, the chorus, really. It's a pretty short song. It's a great pump up song. I might add it to the running playlist. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. So it's funny, like the film, I mentioned that it was I love 80s, a lot of 80s classic films. This was a blind spot. I also one of the first genre of music I listened to on my own was like rock, 80s, pop, metal, rock. And this song is definitely in that genre. And still, I did not listen to. So it's hmm. just like just like <laughs> the film. It's interesting because you played that we played the Lady Lady episode. I mean, you think if you hear Joe Exposito's song, he he was a ballad, power ballads like he he was. This isn't like his thing, which is weird. Like it's a weird match. Like why would you why would you go for Joe Esposito? But when I think about it, he's his voice style was such a trend. It's like the classic male pop rock band. And here I'm just gonna play you a couple of other singers. So that's Sammy Hager. I can't drive 55. Very in the similar vein. I have also here. And, you know, I can go on and on. It's like mm -hmm. something becomes a hit and then everyone just follows blindly that trend. And that's what I feel like Joe Esposito is such a good placeholder for that. So that kind of like, oh, OK, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I definitely heard it more in that 
second clip that you played the, the, the white snake yeah right exactly yeah uh, yeah Agreed. i mean yeah when i actually played the same hair i was like ah, there's more but well you know whose voice i get in this is michael bolton a little bit In Joe Esposito's uh, vocals. I know well, it goes against your point maybe, about no, rock. No, but maybe but, when, on, on Lady Lady. Um, yeah, when exactly. When he's doing that, yes, yes, yeah. for sure. Yeah, and it's it's funny that I don't even know what genre Joe Bean Esposito fits into because he's starting out with these disco tracks with Donna Summer, and then this song feels kind of like a pivot from that. It, I mean, it feels like a blimp, like not nothing in his song like sounds like this. Like he comes from like I said, ballads or either R&B or, or dance music. Like this is such an odd placement for him, but his voice just fit well. And and I want to talk about the trends because I was thinking about, well, when I was listening to music for the first time, what was the trend that was going on? And it was, man, the early 2000s and that pop punk singers. And then how they sound, and they're all like, that is the sound that they all had. And I'm just like... Yeah, <laughs> that's what a that's what a, a rock male singer <laughs> from that. They all sounded like that. They just all sounded yeah, which, like that. Which one is that? That's Simple Plan. A simple Plan, right? Yeah, yeah, it could be that. Good Charlotte. I think he was 25 when that song came out. Oh by yeah, the way. yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's the best yeah. thing. I think it was 23, 23 in okay. 2002. I think he was 25. Way too when, old, way too old to yeah, be singing too old that. regardless. To be singing that. Sorry. The teenage angst, he's past the teenage yeah, angst exactly. years, right? And flash forward, like I was thinking, well, what what is it? What is it that nowadays rules? What's the trend of, of music voices? And it's high pitch falsetto. Now we're in the mm. like yep. high pitch mm. male voice, also very hip hop influence here. You don't make it easy, no. Wish I could. So that's Post Malone, who has Post actually Malone, yes. like a deep voice, but it's trying to sing in, in like almost trying to sound like like the trend, you know, this higher hmm. voice, this higher style. Here, I'll have another one. That's what to, that's the trend today. And it's so drastic from the 80s. Yeah. If you ask me this question in the aughts, I would say that the trend was male rapper female vocalist for the chorus and we're not mm, seeing that so much anymore sure. but what I, one of the things i enjoy when i was doing this is when i put it in that order it feels like we go from this like very uh, i don't want to say manly but just this very like white snake 2000s mm -hmm. not as high or, or or soft as modern but still like a little bit there and then modern we're just like going high and high and high like <laughs> I, I feel like the next trend we have to go back to maybe that deep grungy voice yeah you know, I'm fine be if we don't, because that's, you know, all of these 80s songs are sometimes it's sort of like a testosterone bomb. Like this song is like, you're the best fight. You can do it. Like, well, I think the 80s were testosterone. Yeah, I think, I think like, so. You just got testosterone <laughs> from the air. Well, actually, Shane, you said something that you said that you love the song and every time you're like, you're the best. You think of around. Am I the only one who's like, why around? Like that's, that sounds like you're not that big of a compliment. It's like, you're the best. Wait, around. You're not like you could have said all time. Yeah. Or, it's like a joke. Like it feels so anticlimactic. Like you're the best. You're the best I have right now. I've seen yeah. in my clears, in my immediate space. Yeah. He should have specified how 
far the parameters of around yeah, are. What's the radius of <laughs> right. your aroundness, right? <laughs> I don't know if this is a lyrical masterpiece, and that word flows nicely with what they what they put on paper in probably 10 minutes, right? Yeah, exactly. This is a moment in the pot where I talk about how rock is dead or the lack of it. Think about Joe Esposito, that style we talked about. I cannot think like who still does that that wasn't a rock star from that era, like an older, like I can't think of any newer rock bands that just sound like that. That, that. that sound is not something you would hear. So it's like if you hear it popping up in like an E-Trade commercial, it feels nostalgia, not just for like right. the instruments, but the voice mm. too. Like no one sings yeah, like that. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. I think you just hinted at it. I mean, there's not a ton of rock music in general. Like the only band I can think of right now that even has anything older school is like Greta Van Fleet. I don't know how much you listen to them, but they have a, a very heavy uh, Led Zeppelin sort mm. of influence on their music. And, they're, and the vocalist specifically uh, really sounds like he's from a different era, but more probably 70s than 80s. Mm. Yeah, it's hard to even think about many rock bands that even exist right now that are, uh, even especially new ones. I mean, in terms of, I'm talking commercial, not indie. Mm. Is Imagine Dragons the closest we have? Well, oh, oh, I mean, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I have, I have them in a different part of. Oh, okay. In answerable questions. <laughs> okay. They make a, they make an appearance. I know where. Okay. <laughs> but you talked about the Rocky Three connection. And how they use Survivor. Yeah. I'm just going to say something. I want to see Shane's reaction. I don't think you're the best. It's the best song from the Karate Kid. Mm. I think Moment of Truth is a complete banger. And I love oh, it. Oh, man. I, I'd have to hear it again to compare. But uh, I mean, it's it's you're the best. I mean, you're wrong, right? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Yeah, Dude, I, the whip cracks. I know. <laughs> so and that's what I was that was that's what I was telling so but like it sounds like fighting, like you know, like yeah. like a, a blow, yeah. like some some Dragon Ball C sort of sound like of a kick just went by. Yeah, the, that's yeah, for sure. And I was like, man, and and again, this is what I love about movie songs that you just see these creative choices that like if you're in a studio and you're not writing a song about a movie, you know, I don't see you making that decision. Like Oh, for sure, right? Having that that Film influence changes your creative juices for sure. Yeah, but lyrically, th those two songs are going in the same direction, right? Like they're basically about the <laughs> yeah, same for thing. Sure. Oh, yeah. oh my God. Another aha moment. Moment of truth is the Miyagi Dojo song. Oh. Because, you know, it's all about balance and and more a, a deeper one. Yeah, like right, Cobra Kai right. is like, you're the best and like, ah, oh, punch you. And then the survivor <laughs> is like, it's the moment of truth and, uh, you know. Yeah. One of the things I really liked was how, to me, like the rhythm, it really feels like footsteps, like walking, like slow, like almost like you're going up a hill or something. Mm. Here. Slow 
slowly walking and slowly it's like it's like it feels like the song is dragging a bus those bus competitions like strong man that's <laughs> when they're like dragging that. something yeah that's what that drum just feels yeah, like steps step. marching and it's like very like methodical steps just that are gonna keep coming oh right. yeah and, and there's no hi-hat you know there's no he's just banging on on the toms the drums just like making as deep as he can and i like ah that was good also country vibes a little bit does it sound sort of like an accordion or something in the back mm, i think that's hmm. must be the synthesizers that bill yeah. conti put which if you isolate them you're like this is weird like it, it works well in the song but if you isolate it you would not think it fits well with the song right alone it doesn't yeah, feel very sure. rock speaking about rock that's another thing it's the guitar here the classic 80s pop metal guitar and it feels mm -hmm. it feels like power think about it again bill conti same composer writing this song for rocky yep rocky has like some of the best ever fighting music but it's very different it's a lot, a lot more elegant Using the rock choices here is such a great fit for like a teenager yeah. and, and this world. And I love that. I, I love how music, yes, 80s pop metal guitar and that classic sound is screams of that era, obviously. But it also makes sense here with the film. And I think that's where that's when you're in good in good company, when you're accomplishing that kind of synergy. Yeah, I, I really like what you said about how this song sort of feels young. It feels teenager-y. Because we were talking about how this didn't make it into Rocky 3. And I think that makes a lot of sense because Eye of the Tiger is sort of the grown-up version of yeah. this song, right? Yeah, it's a Man, little that's bit, a good way to yeah. put that. So this one feels like what a kid would think is badass. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, so it, this one, even if it's not at the most elegant song, it makes sense with Daniel and Johnny and all the kids here. I think that's a really good way to, to put it. Like it's sort of an immature song, mm -hmm. which is makes perfect sense for an immature character who's coming of age, right? I, mm -hmm. I kind of dig that connection there. That's that's a really fantastic way to put yeah. that. We've talked about Joe Esposito. I'm sorry, Joe Bean Esposito. Bean Esposito. He performs <laughs> he performs a song, but it was composed by Bill Conti, and I wanna put a little spotlight on this guy because mm -hmm. he's an absolute legend of film music. I mean, he can kind of do it all. And I think he's a, I honestly think he's a bit underrated. He can write songs like, I mean, one of the most, perhaps the most famous movie song of all time. Like, which might be like just top 10 of most recognizable film music score has everything everything mm -hmm. has to be but he can also do like we said instrumental scores music like the best of them he can do amazing things that is from the right stuff with sophie mm -hmm. menzen and the song setup it's, i love that score and he was nominated for that but it's so many it just this guy just has his bag of tricks is insane and you want to hear a good the academy awards got that wrong trivia gonna fly now from rocky did not win best original song hmm. what won that year it's a song called evergreen by barbara streisand from a star is born the version with barbara streisand well what we know about 
A Star is Born is that it always wins <laughs> best song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that wasn't even the second best option because Avis Atani from The Omen by Jerry Goldsmith is just literally one of the scariest and unsettling songs I've ever heard here. That doesn't make how, me feel good. <laughs> how much? How many horror songs, whether it's parodies or whatever, have been influenced by that? Huh? Yeah. And that's not I mean, even hear, that's not even like, the best one in that kind. Of, like "Gonna Fly Now" and then I, I don't know. That's a that year. And I saw that on Wikipedia. I was like, I think that's one of the best. Like the Academy Awards got it wrong. That's insane. Ali Willis. I think we need to mention Ali Willis because this is one of the things I'm I'm really enjoying about our podcast. So we've been doing research and we come across musicians, songwriters that they might not have the spotlight. Like, I mean, I consider myself someone who's really into music and it's a big part of my life. And I really wasn't that familiar. And holy, sh you know, like songwriter <laughs> Hall of Fame. She got inducted in 2018. Yeah, she's such a badass. I mean, I think everyone, please Google her and just look at some of her outfits alone. Like she's awesome. <laughs> Before the podcast, Sophie had to explain to me what this was, because apparently she also was a big Kish collector. Kitch. Kitch? Like, I can't even, Kitch. I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what this was, but. I'm Allie Willis. I usually make good art and write good songs. But today I'm here to welcome you to Kitch of the Day, spotlighting the kind of stuff I've been collecting since I was born. I, I, I thought I should include that, Shane, because again, talking about collections and look, <laughs> what are the things that, that people are, are pas passionate about, yeah. man? We just, that's the thing we love and we like to surround ourselves with them. So try to get her on the podcast, talk about her collections. Oh, she's dead. Maybe this is big a guess. good time to transition to answerable questions. Yeah. Let's, transition let's do to it. Yeah. Let's get off of that. Questions. Seven seconds in heaven. What seven seconds from the songs gives you goosebumps, Shane? This is a complete and utter cop out, and I'm, I'm okay with that. It's the chorus, 100%. I mean, the, you're the best around. Nothing's ever going to keep you down. You're the best. Come on. It's so good. It's so cheesy. It's so awesome. It's like, if you could just enjoy, enjoy it for what it is, it is just <laughs> such a fun, silly thing. I, I love it. It flows so nicely. The The chorus for me is, is by far the best part of the song. I agree. Such an earworm. It's such an earworm. Like it just stays. It's it stays in your brain. So seven seconds in heaven. Mine is pretty close. Also because I feel like this song is like eighty percent chorus. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. here's mine. Yep. Oh, so you like the build-up. I, I included the drums for the build-up because... Yeah, you like mm. that da 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 I love it. If anything, I wish it went a little harder. Like, they could have made the drums a little bit louder for me. I did not went with chorus. Okay. I went with the second verse, the beginning of the second verse, because the first verse is sort of like an introduction. You're like, okay, you feel the rhythms, and you're like walking. You're like, ah, oh, okay, mm -hmm. man, you're good. The same, the montage in the film, it's not quite beginning. It's like there. And then you get the, you're the best first chorus. And you're like, whoa, we reached, we went to 11 now. We're in a, at 11. Like, oh my God. But then we come back to the verse. I feel like this is when, at this point, you're like really into the song. You're like, I'm here, I'm here for it. This second verse is the only other verse we get. And after that, the song doesn't come back to the verse at all. And again, it's that climbing feeling. So... 
Yeah. Right to the end. Yeah. I get so, such country oh, vibes from man. that. I, I, I might be alone, but. <laughs> All right. Favorite lyric. Favorite well, this lyric. Is, this was Shane. a tough one. <laughs> Shane, you go first. Oh, man. Just because of how horny or whatever it is. But the, the first line, and we talked about earlier, you know, something about like we touched on toxic masculinity, but the first line. Try to be best because you're only a man and a man's got to learn to take it. <laughs> I like it. Just, oh I always love listening it's lyrics so, out of the songs. This yeah. Oh, yeah, right? Out of context. It's just so That's lame, Johnny singing. That's Johnny fun. singing. Yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, this, is, this is definitely what John Kreese plays in, in the Cobra Cry Dojo. Mm-hmm. No, no question about <laughs> it. So mine do you have one <laughs> i do i mean there's i'm sorry but i'm sorry Allie, but there's not a lot here um, <laughs> no there but, is not <laughs> uh mine is let's see fight till the end because your life will depend on the strength that you have inside you gotta be proud standing out in the crowd when the odds and the game defy you because when i first listened to it i thought it was when the odds of the game defy you but it's the odds and the game, mm. which I think that there's a distinction there. It's not just your odds of winning, but it's also the game itself is against you. Stacked against yeah. you. Always yeah. Always a master with the details, Sensei <laughs> yeah. Sophie. Go on. <laughs> I already talked about this. It's the word around. I can't get to it. It makes, yeah. me, it, it makes me giggle. Just the word around. <laughs> it makes me giggle. Yeah. You know? <laughs> has it aged well? We ask ourselves if the movie and song has aged well. I kind of think we're all in agreement, right? I have to say yes. Like maybe it sounds like I need to go around the bend, but I you think do. there's two ways of looking at it. Has it aged well musically? I don't, maybe not. It sounds from the 80s, but has it aged well in terms of popularity? Of course, that's how it became famous, aging well. So my take. But Shane, what do you think? You really have to be okay with the cheesiness of it all, the song to really like to still enjoy it. It's aged well to this point. You know, it's like 34 years old at this point. But I'd be curious to know 34 years from now where it winds up because I do think nostalgia plays a a pretty heavy role in this. I think growing up with the movie, knowing the song from the film, that's really what makes it resonate with a lot of people. And and because of that nostalgia, it gets played so other people tend to hear it. But I think it's going to fade over time. I don't know if it'll continue to age well 34 years from now. So we'll have to revisit this, do do a sequel podcast to this then and see where it's at. I sort of have separate answers for this. The movie has held up much better than I anticipated for all the reasons that we discussed. It's really sincere. I love the relationship between Daniel and Miyagi. There's a lot of life lessons in there that I think is still true to being a teenager now. But the song is definitely an 80s bomb of nostalgia. And I don't know if someone heard that outside of the context of the movie who had never heard it before, if it would stick with them the way that it stuck with people who are fans of the movie. So I'm not sure if that one has aged well. Underrated or overrated? Is the song underrated or overrated? Shane. Based on some of the things that you guys were saying about the history of the song that I I didn't know any, you know, about like, you know, where it hit and um, the fact that it's not in the soundtrack, it might be a little underrated. I mean, the fact that you're, you're, uh, same moment of truth is better than this song. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think people. I think you're sleeping on this one. I think people might be sleeping on this more than I realized. It might be a little underrated. So I'm sorry, guys. I think it's a little overrated. I think it's 
overrated just because I think there's a better song in the album, which is the Survivor song. Moment <laughs> of Truth is a better. If you if if you would have put Moment of Truth in the montage, it would have been I don't I think it would have been equal or more. But we'll never know. That's not to say that we don't like <laughs> yeah. the song. Don't sure go, sure you know don't go running to your keyboards. Yeah, <laughs> we like the song. Hall of Fame moment. Who or what had their best moment in pop culture with this movie or song? be anything um shane do you have any i feel like it has to be it has to be pat morita i mean pat morita became yeah for sure i mean that's that's, legendary because of this it has to be him that really had the biggest most hall of fame moment i mean it can be multiple but he this is obviously what he's more known for um, yeah, for sure. I mean, you could say the same about Macho, but I, I feel yeah, like the same with him. The, the film works because of Pat Morita's performance. And granted, with the chemistry, I, I, I think I got to go him. I agree. I have one. American Italians in blockbuster movies. The Godfather is a drama. I'm talking popcorn blockbuster huh. movies. Well, we also- have Joe Esposito. Uh-huh. Sylvester Stallone somehow is involved. Frank Stallone too. They're close with Joe Esposito. Ralph Macchio, the character, he's also Daniel LaRusso. Mm-hmm. Are they? And, is, and this is a powerhouse of Italian Americans. And no one, no one's in the mob. No one's in yeah, the mob. Yeah, so I'll take no it. No one's in the mob. As as an Italian, I'll take it. Yeah, no one's in the mob. The Italian Man, game works. His game is all yeah. about his his. Yeah. Might be a Hall of Fame for With them. soccer, too. He's using soccer. I know. Game. I was shocked when I it's saw so soccer. So European. Calcio, calcio. <laughs> yeah. Man, that's such a good point. Movies about bullying. Is this mm. the best movie about bullying? I'm going to give it to Mean Girls because, well, I mean, it came out right when I was entering high school and that sort of it's your words, not your fists. Mm. That definitely is more true to my experience. And something about watching these movies from the 80s is people get beat up all the time. All the like time. Like way more <laughs> yeah. than I think is realistically possible. Like all these you know, kids would be black and blue 24-7. Especially in Cobra Kai, I'm like, this is insane the amount, like the type of fighting oh, they do. It's yeah, just like, right. this is not like in any universe that I see something close to this. Like if I saw someone getting kicked in the face, they would be down for like <laughs> until school Ever. is over in that same spot <laughs> trying to get up. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, what about Carrie? Oh, definitely. Ah, Carrie's another right, one so that comes I, I think, to my I mind think, now. I think I, I might have thrown an unanswerable question in the answerable question <laughs> This is uh, too. We gotta. We, oh we gotta wait, move wait. On, special but. special uh, mention of Heather's in a revenge bullying oh, kind of story. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, remix with today current artist or band. Who would you be the choice if this movie was coming out? The song for the song. Who would be your artist of choice? Shane, do you have some? Do you guys listen to Coheed and Cambria at all? No. I don't. No. Well, yeah. I'm a huge Coheed and Cambria fan. I, I would highly recommend it. Maybe it's an acquired taste. I don't know. But uh, the lead singer, Claudio Sanchez, he can do the higher the higher falsetto voices. They're a prog rock band that is a, uh, they, they make concept albums, basically. But um, they recently did a single, uh, maybe in the last two years, where they remade Jesse's Girl. So they oh. made Jesse's Girl 2. Yeah. With so I guess it was a sequel, not so much a remake, but a sequel to it, which is you should go listen to it. It's really interesting. But um, after seeing what they did with that, I, I when I was listening to it, I, I said to my friends, like I, I didn't realize I needed like an entire '80s remake <laughs> yeah. or sequel album made by Coheed and Cambria. Yeah, that's a that's a really good answer. Mm. Thanks. So good luck following that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. 
in terms of bands that I listen to now in the rock or rock adjacent space, it's pretty much crickets. <laughs> no, uh, this isn't their genre, but I'd be curious to see what they would do with it, especially with percussion. But it would be Hyam. Oh, because that's a good. when I saw them live, they did a cool spin on some of their songs where they really that, introduced that could, work. that could work. I like that. Yeah, almost like a drum circle they were doing for some <laughs> of their songs. And, and this movie has that like I'm sorry, this song has that like steady beat that you've yeah, been that talking about. Yeah. There's yeah. Yeah. such a percussion band. Yeah. I so, almost now kind of yeah. want to listen to that <laughs> to see what because they would do something completely different, but could be cool. Right. Yeah. And my answer is pure garbage. <laughs> I could not come up with one. So I <laughs> It's it's not my pick. This is what the studio will pick. Right. And this will be an Imagine Dragons song. Absolutely. Mm. You know, like, I feel like that's their space. It's mm -hmm. like pump-up music, modern uh -huh. pump-up yeah. music. I don't know if it's a Beats commercial or LeBron, but I associate Imagine Dragons <laughs> with this sort of, like, yeah, pump up, whatever, being the game, pre-game. Yeah. They would do it. It would be stuck in your head forever, but it wouldn't be good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. Just like the original. It'd be yeah, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. WTF, a moment from the movie or a song that made you kind of think a second opinion was needed. WTF. Shane, do you have one for this? I have, <laughs> I have one from the movie. And I alluded to this in Shane's oh, intro. I know it. And no one probably understood unless you're a really fan of this movie. But part of Johnny's Cobra Kai crew, there's one guy who his whole purpose is just to shout out insults to Danny. <laughs> one specific insult. And there's one specific <laughs> insult where he's like with Allie, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Shue's character, and they like go on their own way and try to avoid conflict. And he, as they're leaving, both of them, he screams, I didn't know it was take a worm for a walk week. <laughs> you know, he's and he said it with such conviction. Oh, he you he, know that his a, delivery was great. <laughs> he he means it. And he's been saving that in his pocket. For oh, the right it's been, time. yeah. He's had that loaded <laughs> in the barrel for a while. Yep. <laughs> Lastly, will the song go on? I'll start this one and I say, yeah, that's literally the story of this song. It's been going on. It's the underdog that has become like a cult classic. I mean, it got used on a 2021 E-Trade Super Bowl commercial, and mm -hmm. recently also it got used in this jam here. I want to... <laughs> what is that? That was from the 2020 MTV Movie Awards. <laughs> Steve Aoki <laughs> and Travis Barker... Did a cover oh of my this God. song. And it's one of the weirdest videos I've seen on YouTube in a while. Like, <laughs> this is back in, you can tell this is COVID. So it's virtual. It's just the two of them. Mm -hmm. and, but, and there's like green screen virtual background of things. And they're also, they, they're wearing as costumes the skeletons from that. Oh, that Johnny my yeah. God. They don't look like Johnny's gang. They look like that SNL sketch, David S. Pumpkin. Oh, like, my God. They, that's what they look like. <laughs> it's like... Will the song no. go on? Yeah, it's going on, but I don't know if Aoki just killed it in that moment. So I don't know, CBD, <laughs> but that's my take. Uh, what do you guys think? Will it go on? I think the song will know. go on as long as the movie goes on, but outside of that, mm. maybe not. 
I don't know. It's a tough, tough question. I'll say for at least as long as I'm alive, it'll keep going on. I think the nostalgia is going to carry the torch. That powerful. Yeah. I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Um, YouTube comments, Sophie. You search the realm of YouTube mm-hmm. comments to find some interesting things or even more what the f- things. What did you find? All right. So our first one comes from YouTube. This one's really interesting. Just now realizing they played the entire song during the movie. Yes, that is the best because they do the whole song from start to finish is played for that montage, which is fantastic. Yeah. So I wonder, do you think they cut the movie and then said, give us a song that's this amount of time? Or do you think, I mean, obviously the song came (laughs) first because. just a perfect one. Remember that one I told you about in Rugby 3? I haven't thrown it away. It's here and it's under three minutes. Also, the one that I tried to put in flash dance, where it yeah. definitely wouldn't yeah. belong. <laughs> That's that was the response. Didn't you put that in flash dance? Uh, no, yeah. it, didn't, it didn't work out. But it's still available if you want it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, here's another one. Uh, I play this every morning before I go into work. I am the best around. <laughs> nice. Uh, That's incredible. Good for that person. Yeah, we all need a little pump me up. My music yeah. before work is nothing different. wrong with positive affirmations. Let's go. Yeah. Mine is more like that omen. That's the one I play. Okay, last one. When this movie came out, it was the hottest rental. Every Friday, my bro and cousin would go into the video store to rent it and come home with no karate kid until that Friday they did. We watched it so many times until we had to take it back. Awesome film. That's fantastic. Yeah. They can relate relate to yeah. uh, me I know, the tape yeah, then. that story of yours getting uh, burnt out on you from all the yeah. rewinding. <laughs> I, I could do a whole podcast about this comment, but just going to the rental time to mm. score that movie you like because it's the hot ticket everyone's yep. going for it and then when you do get it it's like that like triumphant like i'm the best yeah, yeah you're the best around yeah. you go <laughs> home and then you like it took so much work might as well watch this four or five times like i got the whole weekend yeah if it's a popular movie you only got a two-day rental yeah. on that uh, so yeah, yeah. that's right that's a good or one. you Those get home good. and realize you forgot it on the counter when you walked out <gasps> i may have done that before really oh <laughs> yeah. my god I guess that's it for you're the best. I guess that's over or whatever they say in karate. But (laughs) Shane, I want to thank Shane, a.k.a. Sports Card Nobody, for being a guest here, man. This was really cool. I'm so glad you picked this song. Please check out his podcast, which I'll be a guest on. And like I said, we'll be talking about more in details about the things we collect, like vinyl soundtracks, movies for me, cards for him. I mean, he also collects a lot of other stuff. And most importantly, we'll be talking about why we collect them. So check that out too. Check his pod. Special thanks to my sensei, Sophie Matano, for her work on this episode. (laughs) Last thing, uh, remember, we need your support so we can be the best podcast around. And you can help us by subscribing to our podcast on whatever platform you use. And most importantly, leave us a review on Apple iTunes. That's super important for us to grow. And of course, we're on social too, Twitter, Instagram. Pot first, pot hard. No mercy. <laughs> the song will go on is written, researched, and produced by Sophie Matano and Paolo Garcia. Theme music is composed by William Russell. Consulting producers are JP Lee and Jonathan Fisher. Recording, editing, and mixing by Sophie Matano and Paolo Grassini. The song will go on. It's a Gigawatts podcast. You can find Gigawatts on YouTube and on Instagram at gigawatts underscore YouTube.